uh, for those who aren't on the email chain, and this is a reminder, if, you don't, if you're not getting the emails about things that are happening at church, please sign one of the cards at the back. We're not going to ask you for money. We're not going to ask you for anything. We just want to let you know about stuff. Okay. Um, the, on um, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, um, Joel and I will be here for an hour and a half um, just to talk politics. Now, you may be getting too much of that already. Um, the purpose is not to be another political science classroom. Both of us teach politics. Um, but to be a family coming together and, and just being able to talk. Um, so if, obviously I'm not preaching on the elections or what's happening um, yet, um, but that's the chance for us to get together okay, and talk. So seven o'clock here uh, on Thursday. And then on Friday, what time is the prayer room? Seven. Seven o'clock, okay. Then on Friday, so the next night, if you're not into discussion, but you are into prayer, but you can do both. Um, then on Friday night, we, the Friday night's prayer room is going to be dedicated to, to the elections. So we're going to be praying uh, for the country. Um, we're just going to be interceding. And we'll, we'll see where, where God leads us in that. Dawn, I think you're going to lead that with one or two of us. Yeah. Um, so guys, please... Um, Please come and pray. Please come and talk. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what God does. So, uh, before I start, I just, Dawn and the worship team, I mean, week in and week out, you guys just bless us so much with, with worship. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. It's, and Tyler, your, your teams, the teams that you're putting together, um, yeah, especially Ryan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's, such, it's such a blessing. For a church our size, we've got like six worship teams. It's amazing. Um, and by the presence of the Holy Spirit, I guess Jesus loves your worship too. So, and all of our body, of course. So um, for those who haven't been here, or those that are new, we are going through a series called Living Water. There's the graphic, yes. Um, for those who have been here for the last few weeks, you'll be pleased to know I'm not preaching on John 4. Yeah. Guys, well done. We've graduated, okay? The Lord has released us from John 4. I, I take it as a positive sign. Um, but I didn't get very far. So we, we, we are at John 4, but we, we're going to talk a little bit about John 7. Um, but as I did um, two weeks ago, um, tonight is, a, is about us clearing some ground again. Um, and so I'm basically preaching in order to be able to pray at the end, okay, which I sometimes do. Um, and so uh, we'll, let's, we'll just see what the, what the Lord wants to do with us. Um, so I, I just want to say a little bit about the theme, a little bit about why we're doing this living water, just to remind us. Again, maybe some of us, I think, I think Jesus just wants to keep talking about himself, basically. Um, and then I'm going to talk about opposition. Okay, that's just what I felt the Lord saying I needed to speak on um, this week. So, kind of sermon in two halves. And I'll keep, I'll keep both of them at a half sermon length. Okay. Um, so, living water. Um, 
For those of you who don't know or new or have never been to our website, um, we've got a couple of core values, um, and you guys should check it out if you haven't. Um, one of the core values that we have as a church is tangible wonder. Um, this church was birthed out of people experiencing God for the first time and realizing that he was actually real and tangible and alive and actually the Jesus that you see in the Bible is still the same Jesus that we have today. And the spirit that we see in the Bible is the same spirit that we see today. And the Father's will on that has not changed. So as, you know, as a church, we, and our, that's our first core value, that if we do nothing else, we want, to be able to, we want to be able to experience God's presence, the reality of God. But one of the other things, one of our other core values um, is called everybody plays. Um, if you're old like I am, um, or older at least, Scott, um, we, you, you may have seen churches or movements of, of God where uh, kind of one man or one woman is on the stage all the time and kind of operates in the Holy Spirit and blesses people, and that's kind of the show. Um, and there's a time for that, I, I'm sure, in God's kingdom, but that's not what we've seen God do recently and not what we believe God's heart is for his church, that everybody gets to play. The gospel is for everyone. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. Operating the gifts of the Spirit is for everyone. And most importantly, knowing Jesus intimately is for everyone. Um, all the other things, everything else that we might talk about comes from knowing Jesus. The other stuff's bonus, but we want to focus on knowing Jesus. So when I preached a few weeks ago, I said um, that there's no formula for Jesus. He can do whatever he wants when he wants. Um, but we do recognize patterns. Um, if our hearts are open to him, he tends to respond to that. If we set time aside for him, he tends to respond to that, and he meets us in those times. When we worship him, when we pray, when we fast, when we do those things, he tends to meet us. Again, those aren't things that we do to strive to meet him, but they just tend to attract his attention. Like any friendship, if we give our friends time, those friendships deepen, don't they? It's hard to have a friendship, hard to know someone intimately if we don't spend time with them. But for the past few weeks, um, I've, been, I've been saying that Jesus is imminent. I'm just going to keep on saying that, okay? That he's imminent. Um, and that's something I felt him saying to me. It's also just the experiences that I've been having and it's experiences I've seen other people in this body have and also outside of this body. He's moving in so many places in really tangible ways. And it's so exciting. Um, three weeks ago, um, we did some prophetic as we normally do. And um, Adina gave a prophetic word for the church as a whole. And um, I'm actually going to get that word sent out so you'll see the full thing. But part of what she saw, so Adina's wrote me more detail. Not everything um, that she said, what she saw, did she actually speak out on that night. But she said when she was praying and giving that word that she saw Jesus standing over our church physically standing here and that he was declaring that he is more than imminent but that he is here 
and that he is wanting to meet with us. He's willing to meet with us, and he's wanting to birth new things in us. And for each of us, that'll be something different. Um, but when, when Jesus says um, that I want to meet you, like, let's pay attention. And as I say those words, pay attention to your own heart. Okay. If, you, if something positive comes up, great, grab hold of that. Because that might be the thing that Jesus is wanting you to press into. If something negative comes up, then bear with me, because we're going to talk about opposition. Okay. Um, but Jesus is offering himself. Let's not waste this. The Holy Spirit is such a funny thing. You know, when I spoke two weeks ago, I talked about the different ways that we can experience the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep coming back to some of those things. We talked about, you know, kind of feeling him, gift of tongues, and really weird stuff that he does for those who are here. Because tongues isn't obviously the really weird stuff. There's much worse, or more weird, I should say. <laughs> more wonderful, not, not weird. Um, but you know, there's, there's times you can be in a church and the Holy Spirit can move in a, in a church and, and everyone can encounter him, or the vast majority. But I've also been in, I've been in rooms and services and conferences where the Holy Spirit moves and one person in the middle of the room has this incredible encounter of the Holy Spirit. And everyone is like, yeah, this is just, you know, what's going on? And I don't know why he does it, but, you know, it's God. He can do whatever he wants. But I, I know in the season that he is saying, I want to give you my living water. I want to encounter you. I want to bring you life. I want to bring you freedom. I want you to have the life that I promised you. So we've read John 4 a lot. <laughs> we've looked at the Samaritan woman. We've looked at the way, we've looked at the fact that no one is cut off, no one is denied access to Jesus. Okay, you do not have that excuse. In John 7, the other scripture where he talks about living water, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And John then goes on to write, Jesus was speaking about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we see this, we see John really link the water and the Spirit. Um, and we know that he's, he's referring to Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples, and we see the church transformed, and these men and women encounter the Spirit for the first time. And I, I think if you're anything like me, um, we, can, we can read that scripture and we say, okay, if um, anyone comes to me and drink, whoever believes in me, I right, check, I've come to Jesus, I've said the prayer, I believe in you, check, got the spirit, got the living water, done, lovely. Um, but of course, that's not, that's not how Jesus works. Now, when, when we do believe in Jesus, when we are filled with the Spirit, then we, that gift is given to us. So that's a promise. So that's, that's there. But, of course, everything that Jesus does, when he says, when you come to me and drink, this is not a once-off drink. This is about coming to him over and over again and, having, and doing life with him and having a relationship with him. It's never a once-off with him. Last week... Um, Amanda 
talked about the secret place. Um, and Amanda, if you've been here a few years, you'll know Amanda doesn't preach very often. That's the second time in nine years or so. Okay. Um, well, since you were a student, maybe five. Okay. Um, the reason I asked Amanda to preach was that she has been pressing in to Jesus' presence really diligently over the last few months. And, and she's encountering God in really powerful ways. So I didn't ask her to preach because I thought she would do this amazing theological sermon, but because I knew that she would speak from someone who's been in the Holy Spirit's presence. And that's what I wanted. And she talked about the secret place. Um, and, and if you're kind of new to charismatic circles or even if you've been around there for a long time, that might be a phrase like you hear people throw out, the secret place. It's, it's, like, it's this charismatic lingo. It's like, well, it, we don't always know what it means. We're like, it's just a thing we throw out there because it makes us sound good or something. But it's directly taken from Matthew 6. Jesus says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It's such an amazing promise from Jesus. This is not Paul, this is not Peter, this is Jesus saying, if you, if you go into these private places and you pray to the Father, your Father also is in secret and he'll see you and he'll meet you. Isn't that cool? Like he'll meet you? He doesn't say go and sacrifice according to the law. He doesn't say go and do this and that and this and that and this and that and then maybe the Father will meet you. He says go and be, basically be a son, be a daughter, go and meet the Father. And do it in secret. He says about the Pharisees that those who pray out in public and pray aloud have received their reward, the praise of man, the envy of man. They've received their reward. They receive nothing from God. And we see Jesus model this as well. So we see in Mark uh, 1, we see this in Luke 4, that Jesus goes off. And in other scriptures as well, we know this, that Jesus goes off and spends time with the Father. And what's, what's most amazing for us who kind of want to strive and achieve for the, for the kingdom is that some of those times Jesus actually has a huge gathering of people waiting to be blessed and spoken to and saved. And he goes and prays and he doesn't even come back to them. He just goes off somewhere else. Probably because the Father's told him to. He's got other places to go. And I, I know, um, you know, teacher Taylor, and, and I, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a really wonderful culture at our universities of, of quiet times and, and, and reading the Bible and spending time with God. And that is a glorious thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and so keep doing that. But obviously... There should be an expectation that God wants to meet us. It's not just about reading scripture. It's not just about praying to him. It's about meeting our friend, worshiping our king. One scholar I read recently said, um, don't be scared to just sit in God's presence. And he said, how often do you just hang out with a friend and waste hours and you don't regret it later, do you? You've just hung out. And so he says, go and spend time with God. And don't doesn't matter if, he's, if you don't hear him speak or you don't feel anything, but just hang out. Give him time. 
you won't regret it. If you don't regret it with friends, then don't think you'll regret it with God. And this has to become... Um, this has, to offer, this has to become a priority for us. This, um, I know um, Heidi Baker, some of you know her, and um, I've been around really crazy, amazing Christian leaders, and then you talk about Heidi Baker, and they're like, hey, she's like another level. Um, but she's renowned for spending hours in prayer every day, and when things get hard, she spends more time. So there are days she's, in, she's praying for like four hours. And people say, well, how'd you get anything done? And she says, well, it's funny, because the more I pray, the more things get done without me. And Jesus moves, and he does the things. I just have to prioritize him. So as I, as I say that Jesus wants us to meet him, guys, take this opportunity, please. Okay, just going to keep saying it. Take the opportunity. Give him time. Change something this week. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy when, you know, if, if I asked you what's the most extravagant display of the Holy Spirit, you'd I guess you would say Acts 2 in the New Testament, Pentecost, Holy Spirit landing, gift of tongues, little flames, never seen that before. That'd be quite cool to see that happen. Flames of fire by people's heads. Um, and, and it obviously transforms these men and women. You know, we, see, we see Peter absolutely launched into this ministry leading the disciples, and we see the church grow in thousands. But it's only two chapters later in Acts 4 where Luke says, the Holy Spirit filled the room. Again, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. If those guys needed it again after the Acts 2 experience, then like, we have no reason not to ask for ongoing encounters with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. We know in, in Ephesians 5.18, when, when Paul writes about being filled with the Spirit, um, that the, the, what he says there is better translated, go on being filled. Go on being filled. Go on being filled. So it doesn't matter if you've been prayed for before. Keep being filled. I'm going to read John 14 before I change theme. If you love me, Obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. It's pretty cool scripture, isn't it? I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. The Father loves us. And Jesus promised to reveal himself to us. So it's hard to think of better scripture than that. Um, I, was, I was chatting to a student earlier this week. I don't think he's in the room. 
but I won't say his name. Um, and we, we were talking about scripture and, 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 and the New Testament and, and things of the Spirit. Um, and it's, 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 it's painful, and this has been part of my own history as well. It's painful how, and I think Bill Johnson says this about Christians, that it's so easy for us to be kind of practical agnostics, that we believe in God, you know, we believe Scripture. But when it comes to the, 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 the things of the Spirit, and when it comes to the, kind of the stuff we can't control, and the stuff we can't rationalize, we struggle with that, and we, we want to keep that a little bit away from us. It's the stuff that can make us uncomfortable. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wants us to welcome him. And he wants us to believe his words. If you've never meditated on John 14, please do it this week. Uh, meditate on the words. It's, it's see when you read it, where does your heart kind of check? Where does it say, like, oh, I don't know if I can go there. Or I don't know if that's for me. Or can I re- is that really true, Jesus? Um, but if Jesus is wanting to us to encounter him, then these words that he speaks in scripture, they are life for us. They are bread for us. They're the foundation of us knowing him. And I wanted to, I wanted to keep talking on that theme, um, but I'm just going to shift now because I, I just felt the Lord saying, you, you need to speak about opposition. Okay, um, and this obviously can be a, f- a full sermon in itself, so I'm just going to touch on a few things um, because it's, it would be poor leadership on my part if I didn't kind of at least set the stage to say that as you press into more of Jesus, um, if you do it effectively, you're likely to receive some opposition. Okay, but obviously, um, take that as a compliment. Okay, um, Jesus, we know, was baptized. The Spirit filled him. He goes into a period of fasting, and the next spiritual experience he has is deep temptation and demonic encounter, direct to Satan. Okay, we're not likely to have it that bad. Okay, but Jesus, if he's our model for the good, then we can expect if we're going to press into his things, then opposition might be something that Scripture shows us is real. Right? And if we are in a war of two kingdoms, then as we become more effective in the kingdom of God, we can expect the kingdom of Satan to not like it. Okay? So, um, we, we have this saying you know, within Christianity about the world, the flesh, and the devil. We've all heard that, I think. Okay? Sebastian? Even in Texas, you heard that? Okay, good. So, um, the, that idea is not, it's not written in Scripture anywhere, but it comes from two places. It comes from Jesus' temptations, okay, that Jesus was tempted to feed his flesh. He was tempted to make a spectacle and get the attraction of men, the world, and he was tempted to worship Satan, basically. It also comes from Ephesians 2, um, which you can read later. Um, the same, Paul draws on the same three in Ephesians 2. So, um, rather than go through a long theological um, description here, I wanted to make this more personal and just kind of talk about myself and my own experiences, okay? And may, maybe some of this will resonate with you. Um, so, yeah, the world. The world's an interesting place at the moment, isn't it? Um, I've got some of my students sitting in the room. 
And, and just, frankly, just some of the stuff I teach is just horrific. Um, try teaching on genocide and uh, people being killed in the most horrendous ways and you know, looking through pictures and trying to decide what's good enough, what can you show your students to kind of horrify them but not to scare them so they don't sleep at night. Um, and you see the depravity of man, and frankly, just the evil of man. That kind of sucks up my life. Um, the US elections, this is an interesting time. If you read the news, someone's fighting, someone shouting at someone, arguing with someone. It's hard to switch, you know, to go onto TV or, or go on the internet and not have hate and anger and vengeance all around you. And, you know, that's my job as well, dealing with politics. Um, you know, the last few weeks I've had, I've had friends lose their jobs, which have been really painful. I've had hard conversations with people that I think are my friends, but I'm not sure. Um, all of these things are rational. I can understand them. They make sense to me. But when I think about the, what Paul says and Jesus' experience, when we think about the world, these things, if, I, if, I, if I'm not intentional about guarding against them, they start to erode my joy. They compete for my time. I don't know if any of you have experienced this. If some of you, it might be uh, struggles that your friends are going through. Um, it might be work at university. It might be a boss at work. Um, these things of the world can eat at us. And there's all sorts of things about worldviews and ideologies and other things I could go into. But I want to keep this really simple, just about the things that happen to us day by day. Um, when it comes to the flesh, maybe this will be more f relevant to the men in the room, but um, you know, when you're emotionally exhausted and you've had a hard day, then the, you know, the best thing is to turn on TV or watch Netflix or you know, turn on the Xbox or PlayStation and just zone out so you don't have to think about anything or feel anything. Except maybe anger at the person beating you online or something. But, um, or, or my son. But um, <laughs> I've lost at everything to him today. It's been really painful. Um, it's, so, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to kind of feed the flesh with comfort. The flesh wants comfort. The flesh doesn't want to go to Jesus. It doesn't want to think, oh, this is going to be hard, or can I do this, or will he meet me? It's like, I just, I just, I just want this. I want the easy way. Um, but the flesh can, you know, the flesh, for some of us, depending on your personality type, the flesh can also feed on busyness. So one of the ways I, I, I don't have to think about really hard things is I just do really good, lots of things, all of which are good. They're all productive, but I'm busy, and I don't have time for Jesus. Um, and then we get to the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the, the devil's most effective when he's just using those other two categories. Um, it's remarkable to me how often when I'm doing really well and encountering Jesus, other things start to go wrong. And it's almost like the devil keeps people in his back pocket and irritating situations, and he just kind of pops them out to really hurt you and distract you. I mean, seriously, I have people like I haven't talked to in three years who will send me really angry emails out the blue. It's like, oh, that's weird. It's like, why didn't they talk to me like three years ago? And why now? 
And why is this so angry? And, you know, and then four or five of those things happen in the space of two days. And you think, goodness, this is weird. Um, all of those things are completely natural. But the coincidence of the timing starts to look a little bit suspect. Maybe some of you can resonate with that. Um, and you know, I'm not going to blame the devil for my bad choices. That's too easy. Um, But I do believe he puts situations in front of us where we can make those bad choices. You know, I'm the one choosing to have the hard conversations. I'm the one choosing to have some discussions. I'm the one choosing to talk about politics and these other things. But some of these things, I think, they put in, me, in front of me in a way that I just really struggle to avoid. And I think he's in that sometimes. Um, <laughs> there's this wonderful Sunday school um, little ditty. I don't know what you call it, acronym thing. Um, which is, you know, busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. Um, and I think I see that with my busyness. I don't have Jesus' light burden sometimes when I'm so, so busy. Um, but of course, it can go to kind of other levels. Um, uh, bad dreams, I will often have bad dreams, demonic dreams, where like the devil would appear to me in my dreams and physically attack me or do something. Those are never comforting. Um, and you always you know, wake up feeling really stressed and often there's a real intimidation in those. Um, fear always elevates in my life. And so a lot of those situations that I talked about, um, they normally have a specific purpose and that's to raise fear in me. Um, and for you, it could be something different. It could be a, spot, a part of your heart, part of your history that makes you vulnerable to something. Um, it could be an increase in anxiety. Um, and it can also be, um, it could also be, it's a funny one, but yeah, fear of the supernatural itself. So as, as we think about getting to know Jesus more, some of you may have just had bad experiences with the supernatural and just be scared of going deeper. In the last few weeks, I've had such wonderful experiences of God. Um, but particularly in the last two or three, I've seen these patterns ratcheting up. Um, and my response has to be, make good decisions and don't be too busy. Don't get in fights I don't have to get into. Although fighting is, can be fun. Choose the right fights and prioritize Jesus more. The, the beauty, obviously, of this season, this promise that he's, that he's saying to us, is that if we start to meet with him, the, um, <laughs> the prize of encountering him is so much greater than any opposition we're gonna face. Um, and so the, the more you encounter him and the more you, you might see this opposition come up, the easier it actually gets to spot it and defeat it because of the life and the joy of Jesus' presence in our lives. Um, but I want to I close with something that I think God wants us to pray through tonight as a church. Okay. Something we prayed about before, but I just think this is part of, the, part of clearing this ground. Um, and that's the religious spirit. Isn't this a lovely one we just have to keep coming back to? Okay. 
Um, if that means nothing to you when I say the religious spirit, then there's a really awesome sermon on our Kingdom Life website given by me um, <laughs> a few months ago. I don't know if you can understand me online, I don't know, but um, th- then I, I go into more detail on it. Um, basically, it's described in scripture as, as form without power. So this picture of church, but with no power, no Jesus, okay? Um, and, and, and when um, I, just, I just feel the Lord wanting, to, wanting us to kind of clear the ground here, that, that I think for some of us at least, we can just, it's good for us to pray this again. Maybe some of us have never actually prayed about this. But if we're going to press into more of Jesus, we just need to take care of a little bit of business, okay? And if we think about the world, the flesh, and the devil, um, there's a lot more I could put here, but this is the basic stuff. Um, in this case, the world is the church. And there are times when the church um, will tell us that we are wrong if we think that we can experience Jesus. And there's theology that, out there that will say that the Holy Spirit stopped moving with the apostles. And there are people in the church that will tell you that theology is more important than knowing Jesus. As if theology has anything to do but to help you encounter the Father and His Son. And, you, and, our, and our flesh, when we encounter, and I'm talking from my own experience, okay, you guys might get this in different ways. My flesh response is that I want to be accepted. And so if, if a theologian who, you know, who's important or you know, my boss at work or something starts to say these things about the way that the Spirit operates or the way that I see Jesus operate, my, my, what my flesh wants is to be accepted. I don't want to be rejected. I hate rejection. It's horrible, isn't it? I want to be in control. Sometimes I want to be able to understand things rationally with my mind. And Jesus doesn't always make that that easy. But my flesh gets uncomfortable. For me especially, rejection is a hard one. And thirdly, the devil. This again links to the other two. He'll use the other two. But Satan will always deny the power of the cross. He will always deny the gifts of the Spirit. He will always tell you that you have no ability to affect the world around you through the power of Jesus Christ that he promises lives in you. That's always his goal because the one thing he doesn't like is Christians who know who they are in Jesus. He can tolerate us. I've said this so many times. The devil can tolerate us being good Christians. It's not his preference, but he can tolerate it. What he can't tolerate is us being effective Christians and standing for truth and standing for Scripture and standing for the truth of Scripture that says that his Spirit is in us. In Philippians 3, this scripture, I'm sure you all know well, Paul writes, but what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. 
That, that's hard enough for me to read <laughs> and agree with. It's hard to give up everything. He also then goes on to talk about suffering. I want to share in all your sufferings. That's even harder. But Paul is a man who encountered Jesus, who Jesus talked to directly, Jesus trained directly, and he saw the beauty of Jesus to be worth everything. And in terms of the religious spirit, guys, everything, including his theology, including his training, including his dreams of being a Pharisee, everything. And he becomes the guy who calls Peter out for skewing the truth of the gospel of Jesus. That is for everyone. So will you pray with me? That's not rhetorical, I guess. I'm just, you know, we, it, is, it is rhetorical. We're just going to pray. Um, you can pray if you want to. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray three things. Right, so, and do this in your heart. You can whisper out. I'm not going to ask you to do this publicly. Um, but as I go through it, if this resonates with you, I just want you to pray it and let, let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. So I'm going to pray that we renounce the, one of the lies of the religious spirit that says that Jesus can't be encountered. Okay. As a real living God, which of course He is. I'm going to renounce the fear of man that we will stop thinking about what people think of us if we choose to try and seek more of Jesus. Yes. And we're going to renounce fear of the supernatural. Okay. If any of those resonate with you, pray them. If they don't, pray for the person next to you. All right. So that's, that's where we're going. Amanda's going to listen as well and see if there's anything else. Okay. Thanks, Amanda. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the, the word that, it, that Adina had over this body and the, the picture of you standing over this church, that you are here and it is your desire to meet with us. We're not, we're not trying to twist your arm or convince you. It's your delight to be with your children. And Lord, so often when we, we, we pray against um, the religious spirit, it is something, Lord, that I know that you detest. And it's something that we need to defeat. And Lord, tonight I just, I just sense your delight that even as we pray against this, this is not a struggle for you to win. This is a delight to have your children's hearts focused on you and say, Lord, we want more of you. Jesus, we want more of you. We want to shed those things that stop us knowing more of you. So Jesus, we pray. Forgive us 
Jesus, forgive us for every time that we have believed the lie that we can't experience more of you, that there isn't more of you to be known, that we're not worthy, that you just don't do that anymore, that you only meet the select few, Your word, Lord, says that you will pour out your spirit on all flesh. All flesh. So, Jesus, we renounce that lie. We renounce the lie that you cannot be encountered, that you cannot be known. And we break it off our hearts and our minds and our spirits in your name, in the power and the authority, Jesus, of your name. Lord, forgive us too for where we have feared man. Lord, forgive me for where I feared man, where I feared what man would think of me. When I talk of the things of your spirit, when I talk of encounters with you, when I talk of wanting to know you more, Jesus, I pray that we would be like Paul and be willing to count all things as a loss to know you. The incomparable beauty of knowing you. So we receive your forgiveness, Jesus. And again, in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke those lies. We rebuke that fear of man. We declare, Lord, let our hearts only fear you and your glory. Lord, forgive us for fear of the supernatural. Lord, you know what's, what we've had in, in our past. You know what encounters we've had, what conversations we've had. You know the history here. And each one of us that feels this will be different. Good Lord, forgive us for not seeking more of you because we're scared of the supernatural. We're scared of bad things or, or demons or gifts or the weird things that we've seen other people do, whatever it is, Lord. Where we've allowed fear of the supernatural realm to stop us seeking you, forgive us. We declare, Lord, that you are God. You are the king of all kings. You hold all things in your hands. Our attention is focused on you. We have nothing to fear from your realm and your kingdom. Your spirit of fear that would stop the children of God encountering him, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you of my life and of the lives of these children of God. Your lies are not welcome anymore. And the damage that you have done in the past, I pray and I speak Jesus' healing 
over past experiences. The blood of the Lamb over past experiences. Jesus, where there is pain, I pray your healing and I pray your freedom of the past and the present. Jesus, your freedom. Lord, I pray that we would have a delight in experiencing you, an excitement in learning more about the spiritual realm, more about how it operates with the natural. Teach us, Jesus. Teach us. Finally, Lord, we declare, we declare our desire, Lord, our determination to know you more, to open our lives and to open our hearts to you. And we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We give you permission. We ask to know you more, our King, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for praying with me.